You ever wonder why we're here? To scream into the void. What if I just screamed into my helmet instead? I mean, I guess that works. That's enough of a void for me. Welcome back to RVB Recall. We are having a grand old time with this season, and it's going along at quite a good clip. We are looking at Season 17, Episode 5, The Not-So-Good Old Days. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Hey, everybody. And we are going to talk time travel. We're, we're going to pick up right up where we left off on last episode's cliffhanger with, surprise, we're back in Recovery One Days. I, what were your expectations going into this? Honestly, expectation-wise, this is not at all kind of what I thought was going to go down. I really thought this whole episode was going to be doom and gloom. And I figured a lot of it was going to be drudging up. Like, this was a very dark period in Agent Washington's life. So I thought it was going to be very evocative of that pain and angst that this character had like lived through for for so many seasons. And, you know, there there was a lot of what we don't see about Agent Washington's breakdown and recovery, um, you know, recovery as, as far as he was able to progress, given the circumstances, um, a certain value of recovery. <laughs> yes, indeed. So. Needless to say, this episode having a more comedic tone was definitely something that I didn't anticipate, but it's something that makes sense in context of Washington's character in the here and now. Like, yeah, he's been through a lot of stuff, but he's also come so far. Oh, yeah, and I think a good part of our trepidation, part of it is, oh, yeah, this part of Wash's life really sucked. And part of it was we had a tweet about Miles is writing this episode. He is going to absolutely kill your emotions because that is what Miles Luna does when given opportunities to play with the freelancer. He takes your heart out back and beats it with a shovel and we thank him for it because he's very, very good at what he does. Um, I, yeah, no, I still remember out of mind the episode and that was just like that. Oh, leave me here to die. Wow, well done. I hate you. <laughs> That's, you know, so many emotions. So I, I was fully expecting it, and I'd seen some of my friends' reactions before going into it myself, and they were kind enough to keep them spoiler-free, but there were definitely, I'm having emotions, oh my god. So I went into this, and for the most part, just kind of laughed my ass off, and then tried to figure out what everyone was talking about. And I think there were moments interspersed here and there. Getting to see characters that we hadn't seen in a while. I'm calling 479er by what I assume is her first name. Like, we've never heard that. I assume it's short for Ashley or something like that, because Ash. Yeah, um, the conversation with Carolina towards the end and her learning about York's death and just, you know... I can see bits and pieces in there and I can see being very attached to a certain character or being in a certain mood, how this could just bottom your emotions out. 
But honestly, I just keep thinking of the scene with Wash. Hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. And then he just screams into his helmet for a couple seconds because he's been hyper-focusing so hard, he missed the obvious solution. And I just, this was such a good Wash episode. And even just seeing what he gets up to alone, how he talks to himself, how he handles himself, the you know where you are, you know what's going on, the summary of York's death, and one other asshole who's going to try to make you into a body. Like, just that little monologue about there are bodies and there are other bodies and then there's the pretend body. Like, ending it with, this is fine, this is fine. No, nothing is fine. Just... I appreciate the outer monologue as it is, because we don't really get that. Yeah, because, I mean, as Donut alluded to, he's a leader type. Usually he's he spends so much time wrangling cats <laughs> that uh, he hardly ever gets time to himself. And uh, so, yeah, him going solo on this mission, it's a treat. I can't imagine what it would be like to literally be transported back to an earlier point in your life, particularly a very bad point in your life. Yeah, no thank you. Because on the one hand, just like Agent Wash, we see here, Agent Washington has something that he needs to do. He needs to find Carolina. He needs to reunite with the Reds and Blues. But there's also that like whole, I'm out of time right now, and nobody here, like the person I used to be, is not who I am anymore and having to readjust like to me a lot of this episode kind of felt like what I thought my 10-year high school reunion was going to be like <laughs> but what my for the record my 10-year high school reunion was actually quite lovely it was very very nice but I totally thought it was going to be the like ah, uh, you know just high school all over again and it kind of was, but in the best way, what Washington experiences in this episode is absolute worst case scenario. It's like, I don't know what it would be like to go back and relive, like, not necessarily the worst day of your life, but like, like I said, just kind of a bad period. Like, I don't think of high school as like a terrible time, but like, if I had to go back and relive middle school, oh my god no I'd rather die <laughs> well and I love that well for one I loved Wash talking to Wyoming while he's figuring things out because he just needs a sounding board and Wyoming is just like what on God's green earth is happening here this is not how I plan things to go you're trying to kill a guy you kind of expect him to react like you're trying to kill him and obviously this is not happening here well and one it's fantastic to see Wyoming again. I know he's been dead for a good long while, but man, <laughs> I always appreciate whenever we hear Matt Hollum bust out the Wyoming voice. You can just hear the mustache. You absolutely can. It's an audible mustache. Hashtag audible mustache. That has to be the title of this episode, you realize. Unless we come up with something better, it's going to be entitled audible mustache. We'll see what we can do. Um, but yeah, we, we swing into Freelancer and my notes just say Freelancer sucked. And what I appreciate about this is while we were watching Freelancer in seasons nine and 10 for the first time as an audience, like you really appreciate 
getting to know these characters, seeing how things worked. You you have certain theories. You think about how people are going to interact. Like, we also kind of walked away with it with, with some rose-colored glasses. Like, yeah, the agents were great, and it was the people running the show who were terrible. And after a couple seasons later, the fandom kind of realized, wait, they weren't really friends in so much as friendship is a thing. Like, it was freelancer was pretty terrible and so seeing wash go back into freelancer where he's not the bottom of the entire leaderboard he's like number six which is not bad out of 49 but he's still the rookie for this squad he still makes mistakes he still freaks out and they still give him hell for it and he realizes like oh yeah if i'd known then what i know now like what is this high school oh it kind of was like it sucked just everyone is awful to him and carolina wow she's a lot meaner than i remember just kind of him breaking his rose-colored glasses and going oh yeah i know this this whole endeavor was a garbage fire see i don't know if that is so much him breaking his rose-colored glasses because i don't imagine he had any fond memories of project freelancer given what it did to him mentally <laughs> with the whole epsilon thing I disagree. I'd say that he had, uh, I would imagine that everything is sour at this point. Yeah. But I would also imagine that he had good points. The triplets were people he considered his friends before Freelancer kind of shipped them off to be the proto red versus blue experiment. There, I'd say he has good memories. I'd say that maybe the memories of his fellow agents weren't 100% accurate. I still wouldn't equate it to rose-colored glasses. If anything, whatever positive feelings he had about his squad, I guarantee was completely overshadowed by the incident with Epsilon. That's what I would argue anyway, but I understand not necessarily interpreting those events that way. Because I, I imagine... Also, just given what we saw of Agent Washington, a lot of it, probably he doesn't remember people like picking on him and giving him a hard time. He probably does remember it as kind of a kid hanging out with the cool kids would remember it of like, oh my gosh, I got to hang out with this squad. I was in the same squad as Agent Carolina and York was this master lock picker. And oh my gosh, when Tex came in, oh man, that was crazy. And I was the, no I was the one known for getting a grappling hook stuck to my balls. Is that something that happened? <laughs> Did you forget? Okay. Yeah, no, that was... That was either like late season nine or early season 10. I want to say it's season 10 at one point in the flashbacks when they're using the jetpacks. And that's also when what happened to Georgia comes up for the first time. And so Wash is freaking out about, I don't want to end up like Georgia. And so Carolina shoots the grappling hook at him, latches onto his codpiece and hauls him back into the Pelican. And yeah, recounting freelancer to Tucker talking about his old squad. He talks about... Yeah, he talks about Carolina, he talks about York, he talks about, I believe, the twins and the whole, and you know Tex, and I was the one known for getting a grappling hook stuck to my balls. Like, never mind all the other shit that he actually would have accomplished with them, that's what he remembered. And I would imagine that everyone just picking on him and putting him down just kind of became the background radiation of his everyday life. 
Like you don't think about the specific instances because it happens all the time. And then he's coming from a place where it hasn't happened in literal years and suddenly it stands out a lot. I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of it was everyday behavior. The way they were treated by command and the way they treated each other, all of that was normalized. And having been out of that toxic environment for a good long while now, and again, made pro so much progress in his recovery and is now a functioning member of society again. <laughs> Debatable. Well, as much as a functioning member of the blue team can be. Yes. Having been out of that toxic environment, jumping back into it, and the realization of, oh, this is how bad this was for me. Oh, man. And yeah, I, I, I think the line that I really appreciated when we were watching it and upon a rewatch is just, is this how Donut feels all the time? And yeah, that's exactly what we've been saying for weeks now because back in the day, Washington was the caboose slash donut of his own team. So Wash finally coming to that realization himself is, I think it's a cool eye opener for him. Oh yeah, and I think it's context that he could use and honestly I think for all of us it's also context that we could use. But yeah, I think that's one of the better lines in this episode is just is this how Donut feels all the time. Especially since we have a really good Donut and Wash partnership going on where Donut is learning to be a leader in his own right out of necessity and Wash is getting a harsh reality check as to what Donut's day-to-day -day life is like. So I really appreciate that we've balanced this out. And I love that this montage of why does nobody like me ends with him going back to the triplets to, let me see if I have this right, um, Iowa, Idaho, and Ohio. You can't, yes, please do, but I'm, I'm pretty sure those are they. And just talking to them because they'll still listen to him. He's the bottom of his squad, but they're the bottom of the freelancer barrel. And they're friends. Like, like you said, he considered them his friends before they, uh, they got shipped off to die. So it's, it's a nice moment. And I also love them pointing out the obvious solution that he had not come across because he was hyper-focusing so badly. The whole, well, why don't you go into the future a little more to a time when you were friends and talk to her then? And the fact that he doesn't even dignify that with a response, that he just fucking bails. Perfect comedic timing. I believe you were right. Iowa, Ohio, and Idaho. Uh well done. Uh, that's what it says. I really appreciated their inclusion in this episode, not only because, canonically speaking, they're friends with Agent Washington. Dare I say, yeah, his only friends. Yeah. <laughs> his only good friends. I mean, I feel like York and North tried sometimes when they weren't bullying him. When you try your best, but you don't succeed. 
at least out of the group, they were the ones that seemed to be the most friendly or the most amiable. I'd argue that Connie and Maine probably were, and that we just came in at a point after things were already falling apart. Connie had already started to figure out that things were bad, and we still saw a little bit of Wash's camaraderie with Maine right up until Sigma got in the picture. But I would argue that he was better friends with people below him on the leaderboard because they didn't treat him like shit and vice versa. Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, I always got the the sense that they're bullying. And let's not dance yeah. around the word. Bullying was a little bit more good-natured than, say, South's bullying and Carolina's straight-up indifference. Um, or or straight up, I'm too good to talk to you, dude. <laughs> I'm too busy. Um, but anyway, my point being, my original point in bringing up the triplets was that I really appreciated their inclusion in this episode, not just because they're friends with Agent Washington, but because they were featured in the episode that Shannon wrote. Yeah, the the set of episodes about the triplets were written by Shannon, which is very fitting, uh, considering, again, voice of Agent Washington. It makes sense. Canon lesbians continue to be canon, and I'm very pleased. So, yeah, it was so nice. Uh, honestly, that was the most emotion, like, in terms of, like, ah, oh, the feels that this episode got out of me was seeing them again, because we know that project freelancer leaves them to die they turn out okay like things shake out all right for them but like project freelancer leaves them to die oh yeah i will agree that that was one of the more emotional oh these people yay and i i think i like called it the second before they revealed who wash was talking to i'm like oh no it's the triplets it's those humans i'm very glad it was them and i like that we also got this bit of Wash going to sometime within their vacation. Sometime after season 13 when they have those 10 months of just vacationing on the moon and fighting dinosaurs and accidentally burning down water parks. Thanks, Donut. And just all that fun stuff that we got to see even a little bit of that. And that that was when Carolina was relaxed enough not only to answer a question but to accept that Wash doesn't want to give her a reason why he's asking. Because, you know, in Freelancer, it'd be, why are you asking? Can you just answer it? No. And here it's, why are you asking? Can you just answer it? Okay, sure. Like, this episode, I think, is really good for Carolina's character development. Not so much that it develops her more, but for the audience. And I also want to say for Wash, where it places in stark contrast where she was and where she is now and I think it's also really helpful for him in kind of getting over oh yeah no she really did want to help me she being able to see the difference between who she was she's a lot meaner than I remember and then who she becomes so I really appreciate that contrast and again Wash yelling into his helmet is just I love it I love it so much it was hands down the funniest thing that happened in the episode. Oh my god, yes. And I, I love the idea of playing with the radios and whether the radios in the helmet are on or off. So he turned them off to have a little privacy, but obviously not enough. <laughs> I just always appreciate any 
it felt like a very like sort of Simpsons joke like would you excuse me for a moment and then someone walks into a closet and they just scream and then walks back out like it felt like a Simpsons joke was literally let me just go scream into the void for a minute I'll be right back and BRB <laughs> ah! um, but yeah you're absolutely right in terms of this episode contextualizing Carolina's development over the last several seasons and that being instrumental in Washington understanding her intentions of trying to help I had also forgotten you know much like Wash was like wow you're meaner than I remember I had forgotten how much blind ambition initially drove her as a character and that was the sort of thing that made she was a fairly good team leader right up until Tex showed up like she was still very ambitious and very show-offy but then Tex just threw everything into overdrive and everything went out the window aside from having to be the best so yeah massive massive character flaw which made her interesting and then seeing her heal over that and be able to handle that better absolutely and also, you know, having Epsilon there for a couple seasons to sort of help in that healing process and then losing him too. Like, Epsilon... Ow. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Epsilon dying wasn't just really hard for Caboose and Tucker. It was really hard for Carolina too um, because I think he had been instrumental in getting her to trust again and move on. Uh, after those events um, but yeah after Epsilon you know sadly is gone Agent Washington has been the person she's confided in the most and really grown and like again they're team mom and dad and they've been team mom and dad for a couple of seasons now uh, also yay car wash stuff is always <laughs> really nice um so, yeah, getting to see how far she's come in her journey ha was really, really cool. And, yeah, it just made for this really nice interaction. And it's like, oh, yeah, nicer days, nicer days <laughs> before we collapse the universe in on itself. Say even just before Wash got shot in the throat. Because then that goes from being team mom and dad and being on even footing to well, he's still washed, but he's having a lot of trouble and she's having to take care of him and losing that person that she was able to confide in and get help from. So, yeah, it's, it's been a rough situation all around. Before we move on, we want to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor. Rooster Team Radio is sponsored by Fred's BS, Breads and Spreads by Fred. Fred's BS is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're L.A. local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Team with an M. Fred's BS. Treat yourself because you deserve it. Something that I, I'm trying to like keep in mind, too, when it comes to 
Carolina and her journey was the I mean even though ghosts aren't real in this show as poor Alpha Church would want us to have believed <laughs> all those years ago the ghosts of Project Freelancer continue to haunt these characters and what I mean by that is Temple wouldn't have enacted his revenge uh, had Carolina not been so blindly ambitious I mean she got his friend killed and didn't care because that's how driven she was and that's what ultimately led to the events of the murder fridge which led to Wash getting shot which then led to the universe collapsing in on itself so yeah that's a lot for her to deal with and it's going to be interesting watching that realization come back to her in the coming episodes so yeah it's it's I'm glad we got this moment here with them because that forgiveness seems to have already happened on Washington's part. Oh, yeah. And that that realization will happen if this plot works. We don't know if it will, so I'll be intrigued to see next episode, but we still have a chunk of this one to talk about because Carolina's answer to where were you all those years is she re-enlisted in the UNSC, forged some documents, took the name McAllister, which is very close to Allison. Ooh. Yeah, it took me about three watches to realize that noise. And just put herself in a fairly useless, not going anywhere, not doing anything squad in the middle of nowhere, just so she could uh, keep tabs on things. And everyone knew that she outclassed them, and it was just kind of, all right, well, she's terrifying, but let's... uh. Let's leave her alone. And I loved the... I don't know if code switching is the right word for this, for what Wash is doing. We, we've had comments about how he's no longer recovery one, he's no longer that person, but he can pull out that stone-cold badass if need be. And watching him go from who he's become in these later seasons, this friendly, this compassionate, still a total badass, but opened up and a little more chill about things. This person who he tries to be during these freelancer flashbacks to no avail to pretending once again to be recovery one to switching back to this person who is hurt and traumatized and essentially shut down everything except for revenge in order to survive. For him to be able to bring that personality back up in order to better to relate to where Carolina is right now because she's in that same space. And he snapped out of it before, before she did, thanks to the Reds and Blues, but he still remembers, and so he's able to do that. So it's really interesting seeing that, seeing him turn on a dime from one to the other. And again, Shannon's performance is amazing. You can hear the difference, and it's great. I was trying just now when when you were talking about Washington being able to go back into that mode, into the mode of recovery one, so that he can better maneuver in this situation. I was just thinking to myself, could I, if I were in Washington's shoes, could I mentally put myself back in my past self's shoes? Because I was thinking about it. I was like, would I remember how I used to act in high school or would I remember how I used to act 
when you know even just a couple of years ago and you know just a time and place because again you change slowly each and every day without realizing it but I think what makes it work for Washington is um, all that time he was recovery one it was a facade mm-hmm. he was putting on and that's one of the freaking coolest things about Agent Washington is he he was biding his time for so long waiting to get his revenge um so yeah for him it was just picking up an old mask he hadn't put on in a while and i thought it was you're right shannon's performance here was just so so cool yeah while he was recovering from you know epsilon ripping his sanity to shreds he had to learn to lie and lie effectively to two people who had access to his psych profile and knew how he thought and functioned So he'd been lying for years and really what's acting but very specific lying. True story. So yeah, (laughs) and every actor out there is like, um, excuse you? (laughs) Yes, I'm a liar by trade. (laughs) Uh, Ryan George actually just put up a skit about uh, that he entitled The First Guy to Write Fiction. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, tell me more elaborate lies. I'll I'll pull it up when we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> it's definitely worth watching. Yep. Go go check it out on YouTube if you haven't had the chance. Um, but yeah, just it was, you're absolutely right. It was really cool seeing Washington go back into that mode. Because again, that's a time in the RVB timeline that I really appreciate. So it was cool seeing him do that and be like, hey, space time continuum. Sorry, you're going to have to take a few more hits. And then what I really like too is when he finally sort of catches the audience up on what he does in the meantime I'm like he totally killed Wyoming he's like I definitely killed Wyoming (laughs) but yeah I I, was there a point where he said that because he got Delta but he got Delta and Wyoming survived anyway so are we just totally off the rails or no I mean he did say he's like I you know sorry space-time continuum you're gonna have to take a few hits he goes he recovers Delta kills Wyoming because when he goes back when he when he meets up with Carolina and she's like why do you have Delta well it's because York is dead well we need to find whoever did this it's already been taken care of I done murdered him good (laughs) okay because I read it's already been taken care of as he knows the reds and blues killed Wyoming because if Wyoming still got away I have no idea I mean he didn't explicitly say I shot Wyoming it was hilarious (laughs) But, like, he knows Wyoming is playing possum up there. So if he wants to just streamline this whole thing, it's better to go ahead and just kill Wyoming, take Delta, go find Carolina. And that way you don't have to worry about um, Wyoming and Gamma mucking things up when you go to Blood Gulch. Or Gankins pretending to be Gamma or Wyoming mucking things up when you go to Blood Gulch. But you know who Gankins could pretend to be? Church. Yeah, and that's what I'm worried about. I mean, they know about the Gankins factor going in, though. So if they're lucky, he won't be at that specific time at the same time they are. And if they're not lucky, well, that's going to make this next episode super interesting. But yeah, by the way, I definitely can now hear, I shot Wyoming. It was hilarious in the wash voice. (laughs) I hired an interior decorator. 
she's dead now. I know that's York, but <laughs> but it's that same delivery. Oh, yeah. So we end this episode kind of banking a little bit on the deja vu. The I understand if you don't trust me, Wash, I'm talking Carolina, like we're, we're meeting up with a group of <clears throat> soldiers. We, yeah, that's basically the only way to talk about the Reds and Blues at this point. Or I'd, I'd hesitate to say at any point, because by the end, of course, they're doing pretty dang well for themselves. But yeah, we're, we're meeting up with a group of <clears throat> soldiers. You, you don't need to get your armor back. It'll be fine. You'll remember everything when we, you'll know everything when we get there, hopefully. And just Carolina saying, you know, for some reason, I trust you. Just kind of banking on that deja vu that the Carolina that he knows most recently and that we know most recently is still in there somewhere waiting to be woken up. You know what it is. It, it's that same thing. He made that rousing speech in the last episode to the Reds and Blues, and they all felt it. They didn't know why. They were confused, but they all felt it because of their connection. Uh, and it was only Genkin's sort of prodding at Carolina that really probably prevented her from feeling it too. Because as you see here, like, Genkins isn't here to influence, you know, her decision in one way or another. So I feel like it's entirely possible had Genkins not been there, he would have been able to get her to, he would have been able to get her to listen right then and there. I feel like Genkins is so focused specifically on the reds and blues that he wouldn't even think to go looking for Carolina at this point in time because she hadn't crossed their timeline yet. So... I appreciate this little side quest. I'm also intrigued by one. This is the first, well, it's not the first time that we've seen the space-time continuum shattering, but it's the first time that we've seen those cracks happen in front of one of our characters that's not Gankins and them react to it like Wash can see every time it takes a hit because of what he's doing. And he's made this decision that getting Carolina now and breaking her out now along with everyone else so Gankins doesn't get to keep her is more important than preventing for well there'd be paradoxes anyway because he's got a bail from what he's doing there leave uh leave north and south where they are and head straight to Blood Gulch so there's paradoxes anyway but he's decided to make more of them and make them worse so the question then is going to be what are the consequences of this little sojourn going to be and will they be worth it? Because I seriously doubt we're going to see that many cracks without it coming back later. I'm hoping the space-time continuum holds out. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. Because ultimately, yeah, there's no action they can take that won't cause paradoxes. I mean, uh, they made that fairly clear um, after Donut's first trip into the Everwind. So yeah, no matter what they were going to do, it was going to any any different action that they took was automatically going to create more paradoxes. It's just a okay space time continuum. Just hold out just a little bit longer, and we promise we'll fix this. I'm wondering if they'll ever be able to get their hands on time guns because what we well no because I guess this weird little area is before the paradox. I don't know. I don't know. 
They did go back in time to prevent the paradox, so if they could go to the point of paradox and get a time gun from one of themselves that's there with a time gun and then use it to do the initial solution that they were going to do before they lost the time gun to Gankins, this has gotten real pear-shaped real fast. Thank you, time travel. What the fuck? Oh no, I've gone (laughs) cross-eyed. What's that from? Austin Powers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. I stole a joke from Austin Powers because, like, they started. I don't remember which sequel it was. I think it was the second one, but they start talking about time travel and he gets confused about a paradox and he just goes, Oh no, I've gone cross eyed. But yeah, I, I'll be very interested to see if Genkins tries to get in their way, getting back to Blood Gulch, or if, you know, because he, at this point in the timeline, Carolina and Wash have met up. If he's just going to double down with Church and, like, try to prevent Tucker and Caboose from being susceptible to what Donut has to say. So, I don't know. Maybe the first, now, maybe the next episode will be us cutting back to Blood Gulch and Donut convincing Griff that uh, <laughs> that they're living in an alternate timeline and that will snap Griff out of it because he seems to be the one most receptive to what Donut had to say. Griff definitely. I think Tucker has also had his moments, not as much as Griff, but he has. And this is also around the time when Tucker figures out that red versus blue is all a lie. So (laughs) I would imagine that Donut would be able to liken this to that revelation. Like, Hey, everything you know is a lie. Redux. It's great. It's a good time. Everything you know is wrong. The reds and blues, they're all the same. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, we need to rewatch some of the older seasons because it's been a while. We do, especially since we've been playing around in them so much. But that is the long and short of this episode. The next one is called A Self-Fulfilling Odyssey. So I think we're going to see the culmination of this particular miniature mission, for better or for worse. I have heard that there are 12 episodes in this season. I have yet to see that actually confirmed anywhere. So I hesitate to say like, yeah, next week's episode is our halfway point because I I don't know. I don't know how many episodes we're getting. Again, I've, I've heard people say 12. I have yet to see that confirmed in any official capacity. If it is, please send me the link because obviously I have missed it at some point. If it's not, then send me a link when it is confirmed or when we do know how many episodes we're having. I don't know. All that fun stuff. But yeah, in terms of uh, predictions, in terms of going forward, I'm still holding out for Huggins. I hope so, for sure. I'm holding out for a Huggins at the end of the night. <laughs> she's got to be strong and she's got to be fast and she's got to be made all of light. But um, Tish. <laughs> I'm proud of me. I would say that being a sentient ball of light, she naturally travels at the speed of light. But anyway, she's great and larger than life and I love her. Any- <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's a solid prediction, honestly. Um... I think it's not going to take too much longer before Genkins decides he needs to break out the big guns because already things are are falling apart. So he might just even abandon 
trying to stop the Reds and Blues from getting back together and just might be more interested in just breaking the space-time continuum before they can do anything about it. Um, that's my thought, anyway. That is a good and terrifying point. My question is, what happens if we get all the Reds and Blues in Carolina back to themselves? Do they just follow Gankins through and prevent him from trying to do things? Are we going to have a chase within the Everwen? Kaka kaka. I mean, I'm always down for a good time travel portal fight because that was hands down the coolest thing last season was seeing Donut <laughs> time travel fight with portals. It was amazing. Oh yeah, no, that was one of the best moments last season. But yeah, I, I think that's about what we're looking at for predictions. Um, anything else? It's always nice getting to see the freelancers. Um, again, we 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 joke a lot about you know how terrible and high school clicky they were. Um, but it is nice seeing these characters that have been gone for a while. It's nice seeing York again. It's nice seeing North again. It. It's even nice seeing South, even though she's clearly still a terrible person. I kind of just want to know what email went out to John and Shanna and Sean and just like, hey, guys, you want to come back in for a couple lines? We're uh, we're bringing them in for a hot second. Like, I want to know what that email looks like. For sure. And so it's it's always great to revisit Project Freelancer. Um because it has some very, very lovable, memorable characters in them, as flawed as they were, because they were in a terrible situation. Um, it's nice to see them again. And honestly, I really, really loved that final moment. I, I loved the throwback with the triplets. I thought it was great. I loved the pacing in this episode. It was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be mostly doom and gloom, but I was smiling and laughing throughout the whole thing. We were led astray. <laughs> um, but honestly, the, the thing I really loved was Carolina saying, I feel like I can trust you. Washington getting ready to say something. He goes, I, and then a train passes by. And instead, whatever he was going to say, he, it, he drops it. And he goes, thanks, Carolina. And you can tell that's the moment of forgiveness. And, like, you can tell, like, all of – he might not necessarily be over it. Like, he might bring it up in, like, future fights or something like that, future disagreements. Well, remember that time you caused a paradox? You say that, like, Washington will remember this – isn't a huge part of everything. I'm sure he remembers like all of the dumb shit that happens. So every time there's an argument, it's going to be like, oh, is this the time you set the kitchen on fire for the third time? Oh, is this the time that you did this? Oh, is this the time? Oh, is it like that? Like, he's the kind of person who has a fucking arsenal and you never want to get into a petty argument with him because not only does he have receipts, he files them according to person and date and fucking color codes them. He will present all of the receipts in an argument. And so I'm sure that he is definitely going to bring up, remember the time you lied to me about the brain damage any t the next time they get into a tiff. However, he's this is the moment of forgiveness where, you know, he might not be over it necessarily, but he's like, 
this is the moment of understanding and moving forward. And I, I really appreciate that. I appreciated the um, visual storytelling of the train going by in terms of like moving on. I really appreciated this. I appreciate just any car wash moments. <laughs> you ship it, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> and I'm not sorry. <laughs> don't be. I've, I've kind of vaguely become a Tuckington shipper after a while. I blame all of my friends. But huh. yeah, yeah. And you just kind of roll with it. Like, yeah, that's fun. That's fun. And hey, we can ship different things and still be friends. What? That's allowed? Yeah! I sort of thought that was against the laws of the internet. <laughs> well, fuck the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's almost like people can have, like, different opinions without, like, throttling each other. You don't say. It's, it, it's this weird thing where you can just present them in a calm manner and not get mad about things and of course we're talking about like we ship different things these are the opinions that don't matter and don't hurt anyone you know there's some shit that's worth arguing over but your ships ain't it yeah no if you were getting into literal screaming matches about your ships guys there are so many other things you could be throwing your passionate discourse into that uh, that's all I'm saying Anyway, catch us both on Ships in the Night with... Uh, <laughs> we have actually both guested on a podcast called Ships in the Night. Not together, but nonetheless, uh, check it out. I think the ship that I argued for was Master Chief and Samus Aran. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Check out Ships in the Night. That's us endorsing a podcast that our friends do. It's a good time. Um, But yeah, in the meantime... I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I am also on a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. Show be so be sure to check that out. Contrary to the to the title, uh, it is not a shipping podcast. <laughs> However, we do talk about certain lost ships, and uh, I stand by my Kate and Saeed should have been a ship, and it never was, and that's upsetting to me. I barely watch Lost, but holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. Competent shipping. That's why you like car wash, isn't it? <laughs> you just like competent people getting together. They would have such competent children. <laughs> Competently. Uh, <laughs> I am Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaje. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I am also on another podcast called On The Point. It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. And because Overwatch League is in full swing, we have gone weekly. And you can expect me to probably be crying on our next episode because I'm definitely going to be at the stadium for this week's Battle of Los Angeles. And I'm a Valiant fan. So that's uh, that's been a fun season so far, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, check that out. Anchor.fm slash On The Point. Um, check us out. Check out all of our other Rooster Teeth podcasts. It's anchor.fm slash the Rooster Team, anchor.fm slash Rooster Team Radio. Check out all the fun stuff we do. If you've seen Genlock, check out Gen Lockdown. We have a Ruby podcast that we've done occasional episodes for, including the best Frozen 2 and Ruby crackpot theory I have ever heard, courtesy of Megan. 
So support us there. Support us at our T Public store. Support us on our YouTube page. All of them under the Rooster Team. And of course, supporting our sponsor supports us. So head over to FredsBS.com and use coupon code the Rooster Team for twenty percent off your entire order. Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll uh, we'll see you in the Everwen. Mm-hmm.